0: Welcome to the MUFG Global Markets FX Week Ahead podcast with Derek Halpany, Head of Research, Global Markets EMEA and International Securities. It's Friday, 24th November 2023, and joining Derek to pose some questions on the financial market themes for the week ahead is Shana Hussein, Vice President, Institutional Investors FX Sales EMEA. The following podcast is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties only, and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment business or an investment recommendation, but for information purposes only.
1: Hello, Derek. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Sham. I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. And you? Oh, well, thank you. And welcome to our listeners. Uh, let's get cracking. This week saw another week of declines from the US dollar, although the scale of depreciation this week was a lot less than last week. Is the momentum and appetite for selling the, the dollar set to fade further from here? Or do you think this episode of dollar selling has more to run?
2: Uh, yeah, thanks, Shan. Yeah, I'm looking at my screen right now and pretty much the dollar is down against every other G10 currency on the week. And so on a DXY basis, it's a little bit more contained because uh, the euro, in fact, is the The second worst performing cheat 10 currency this week. So it's only up. 0.3 0.3 of a percent against the dollar. So um, given its importance in DXY, the DXY move has been has been relatively contained. Like certainly from a technical perspective, what's happened of late was pretty important, breaking through the, the 100 and 200-day moving average in euro dollar. And if you take the 50, 100 and 200-day moving averages, the speed in which we broke through all of those three technical levels, the last time it had happened uh, like that, was back in April, May of 2020, and essentially euro dollar went from those levels when we broke the moving averages of around 110, and we got, we went all the way up to 121 by early 2021. So it, it, it was the. It was the beginning of a big move, basically, those technical breaks. So technically, I'm sure that the market's encouraged into the potential for, for euro to continue going higher. As you said, Sean, the momentum has has kind of faded, uh, certainly for euro. Uh, the Kiwi dollar is the, the best performing currency this week, uh, Aussie. And pound being the the other two in the top three performers on the week. From a risk perspective, global growth equity markets has helped, I guess, to lift some optimism. So you know, Kiwi and Aussie, there's some um, reasoning there for the the outperformance. But for Euro, uh, yeah, we would be we would be cautious about the extent of further gains from here. Uh, and certainly I'm not surprised that it's underperformed relative to the rest of G10 this week um there's been uh, a kind of a number of developments that would at least curtail or temper some of the the appetite for euro buy you know the ecb minutes for example we we certainly felt there was signs there of increased confidence about inflation um and uh, they 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 mentioned uh, one of the the underlying measures that they look at as being very close to the 2% price stability target. Um, but that on the other hand, domestically generated inflation was still um above 5%, and that therefore wages and the labor market would continue to be important going forward. But I, I would argue that when you look at the The wage developments, while the negotiated wages are up nearly 5% on an annual basis, if you look at the Indeed wage tracker, that has been trending uh, down and is now down at uh, 3.8%. So if this does signal you know as as being a reliable indicator, I think we're we're at the turning point for, for wage growth. And that will certainly be consistent with the, the ECB next year becoming a bit more confident in terms of the scope for 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 rate cuts. Um, There's roughly the same as as the Fed in terms of easing for next year, about 70 basis points by October, November time. And if inflation continues to fall in Europe, given the, the weak growth backdrop, again, confirmed in the PMIs, the PMIs stabilized, so that's, I guess, good. But there's still, um, particular in Germany, well below the 50 level on the manufacturing side. So it does point to continued economic weakness. I think there's there's a chance that the markets could actually start to price in, the ECB being a bit more aggressive than the Fed. And I think that would certainly... Um, uh, kind of diminish the appetite for buying euro up at these levels so you know we've we have a forecast for around 112 euro dollar by the middle of the year Uh, you know we had that level set when we were trading 105 106 admittedly we thought we could go lower first before we'd get up to those levels of around 112 at the moment we're not you know we're not rushing to change those levels so in other words we just think we've We've seen a big move and we'd, we'd be somewhat cautious about the scale of, of going considerably higher from here. I think also on top of that, the politics uh, in, in Europe obviously needs a mention as a potential negative risk going forward. So the... The Dutch election and the victory for the Freedom Party and Gert Wilders winning 37 seats. Next best party won 25. While it, it's not a huge surprise that he won, the scale of victory was certainly a surprise. Now, there hasn't been that much negative reaction in relation to this election results. And I think that's uh, partly reflective of the fact that, you know, in terms of Nexit, as it's been called, um, the the... And, and while Wilders did and does push the idea of a referendum to leave the the euro, um, opinion polls suggest that that's not why he won the election. He won the election on immigration. And the the sheer scale of increase in immigration in the Netherlands was, has become a big issue. Um, so it's not on, on euro negativity. And indeed, opinion polls in, in the Netherlands show uh, only around 30% support for, for, for leaving the single currency. That's still relatively high, I guess, but it's nowhere near indi- indicative of, of, um, strong views on, on leaving the single currency. And of course, he would still need wider support within parliament to push, um, through a, a policy of, of holding a referendum. And I would imagine any coalition agreement that may be reached to give him the, the premiership. Um, it's very unlikely to uh, include anything in regard to the possibility of a referendum. So the market impact hasn't been significant, and I think for that reason. But, you know, in terms of the immigration story, it is is a negative in itself, and it does point to the potential for further advances for far-right political parties in Europe who are, in general, anti-Euro. Um, Obviously, the AFD in Germany is now the second most popular party. We've had reports this week in Finland of uh, requirements for additional border security because there's been a surge in immigrants coming into the country over the Russian border. And there's been implications that Russia is assisting in getting these immigrants across the border. So that could become a bigger issue. And then, of course, last night in, in, in Ireland, we had quite shocking amount of social unrest, something I've never seen while I've been here in London or when I lived in Ireland. Um, you know, huge amount of violence prompted in part by increased anger over the scale of immigration, uh, in particular in more recent years, uh, Ukrainians coming, uh, into the country. But, wider immigration figures which um uh, which have been quite significant. so so yeah it it it's there as something that could become a bigger and bigger issue and um and, and I think you know medium term risk perhaps but something to monitor in particular in the Netherlands after what's happened this week. so that's another reason I think to be a little bit cautious about the the scale in which the euro can continue to advance from here.
1: Yeah uh thank you Derek and uh that's sort of segues uh, nicely into my next uh, question looking ahead to next week what uh, maybe the key events or developments uh, that could that could drive fx markets
2: yeah like i guess there's nothing there's, there's no kind of standout event um on the calendar uh Next Friday is the the first uh, of December, but the payrolls report will be the following Friday on the eighth. So we don't have the payrolls report next week. We do have the usual end of month data, and I think certainly from a US perspective, the um, the core PCE price index uh, that will be um, that will be important for 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 the markets, of course, and. You know, it, 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 should certainly show another decline. Um, that's, that's definitely what the markets are, are, are expecting. Uh, and then you've got the ISM, of course, on, on, on Friday. So a uh, data towards the, the tail end of the week. Um, also Fed Chair Powell is, is uh, holding a fireside chat on Friday evening at 4 p.m. So, um, that's something to watch as well. Um, but beyond that, uh, obviously it's Black Friday today. So, First thing next week, we'll have some of the high frequency data in terms of uh, consumer spending in the United States, and, and again, that will probably set the tone uh, for uh, for the early part of next week. Um, outside of that, we've got the RBNZ uh, meeting, and uh, the you know the markets are expecting an unchanged monetary stance there, um, and I don't think there's going to be any. Uh, big surprises from that and and I think it's the, the market pricing is that the RBNZ is done uh, I would I would agree with that um, I think that's that's definitely just looking at the the the, the OIS curve there's about 35 basis points of, of of rate cuts priced by October of next year so less than than what we have elsewhere so if there was any kind of dovish signs of them being a bit more confident about signaling that, the, 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 the possible end of titling that that could result in more easing being priced into the the, the back end of twenty twenty four, which could result in some underperformance of Kiwi, um, and I guess especially in the context of it being the number one um, performing currency this week. Um, other than that, uh, we've had a breakdown in the in the in, in the possible agreement in Taiwan uh, for the opposition parties to run on a joint ticket uh, which could have raised uh, prospects of, of the current ruling um, party being unseated but um, that seems less likely now. Um, a victory for the opposition would have been good from a China-Taiwan conflict perspective easing those risks um, so I guess that's a negative development that's happened this week and we should watch for that at the at the start of next week to see if there's further fallout from that. Um, so yeah, that's it. No, no, no major specific events, I guess.
1: Thanks, Derek. Finally, uh, the, and probably um, my most uh, interesting question uh, of the week. You have, sir, you have recently been running short dollar trade ideas in your FX weekly. Um, have you any update for our listeners on your trade views or recommendations?
2: Yeah, we still we're, we opened up a short dollar end uh, trade idea last week, and we're still running that. Uh, looked pretty good at the you know at the outset of of, of the week but uh yeah remarkably um Dolly has, has has rebounded from the lows earlier this week and we're pretty much back to the levels where we were um last Friday. Um so you know positioning data shows there's still big short yen positions in the market. Um there is this, as I said, incredible resilience, even though I would argue that the the, the kind of macro backdrop that drives dollar yen in terms of U.S. rates and the the expectations on the Fed, even though the market's becoming more confident that, number one, the Fed has done tightening, and number two, the, the amount of easing in the back end of 2024 has increased um, there is still this appetite for for, for buying dollar yen on on dips, and we've had that again. But we're going to keep the position. Uh, I just think as we go through in towards the December BOJ meeting, there'll be more on the idea of the BOJ removing its negative rate policy possibly at the January meeting. Uh, I think that's more important for FX perhaps than than YCC changes. We've already had. Um, a number of YCC changes. So YCC as a policy framework is is less important. The ten-year yield can move more more freely now. Um, and in that context, uh, I think the negative interest rate policy is is more important. And if that is, if the markets do get more convinced on that being removed, um, I think that, on top of a slowing U.S. economy and more conviction on Fed rate cuts next year, will eventually see um, dollar correct. Uh, Dolly and correct more convincingly to the downside. Our kind of short term regression model puts fair value at the moment at around 143, somewhere to target. With that,
1: thank you, uh, Derek, for your insights and uh, thank you to the listeners. Um, and we wish uh, everyone a great week ahead. Indeed. Thanks, Sean. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this MUFG Global Markets podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe and contact your MUFG sales rep for more information. Come back next week for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team.